No, dummy. Creativity doesn't exist without rules. December 15th, 2021. The inspiration, structure, and creativity. I think that structure is required for creativity. Twyla Tharp, choreographer, dancer, and author. A lot of creative types will complain about rules and structure. Don't tie me down. I'm creative. But let me ask you a question. Without the humdrum everyday structure, what exactly are you breaking free from? There is no creativity without structure. No structure without creativity. The Fat Orange Cat. Three rules. The rule of three is a big deal. I honestly don't know why three of anything works so well, but it just does. So today, put three rules, boundaries, or expectations into your work. Maybe one character is setting boundaries for another. Maybe your protagonist is coming up against a list of expectations that stands between them and their goal. Maybe someone is laying down the rules for a risky sexual encounter. Lay down those boundaries, writer. The trope. Three beat. Again, with the magic of threes. A three beat is an idea or thing that you hit three times in the course of your story. The first time, you establish it. The second time, you reinforce. The third time, you subvert. For example, in the movie Whip It, the family has two daughters who are deeply involved in the pageant circuit. We have three interactions between Earl, the father of the two girls, and Ronnie, the father of two boys across the street. Beat one, establish. In the first interaction, Ronnie is playing football with his sons, and the football flies into Earl's yard, hitting him while his arms are full of dresses and pageant trophies. Beat two, reinforce. In the second interaction, Ronnie is hammering the signs for his son's football numbers while Earl's eldest daughter, Bliss, stomps angrily through the yard. Beat three, subvert. The third beat happens after Bliss reveals that she's been doing roller derby and wins the big bout. As Earl hammers in his daughter's sign as number 22 on the roller derby team, he smiles and nods at Ronnie, who's watering the hedges. Three beats. They're everywhere, and they're awesome. The question, cannibalizing your life. What do you owe the real people upon whom you base your characters? John Fox. Okay, I'm taking this question from a list posted by John Fox. I have no idea who this is. This is not an endorsement, but I found this question particularly interesting as it's an idea that's been coming up a bit lately in our discussions on Endless, a Sandman podcast. And my answer is nothing. I mean, yes, let's go ahead and get the extreme example out of the way. If you tell someone's entire life story beat for beat and you make them extremely identifiable in the story, then yeah, you owe them. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about inspiration. If you create a character in your story that's based on someone you know, that's just writing. It's just how life works. As long as you change the details and file out the serial numbers and don't use their personal information, you're good to go. Plus, it is really fun to put people you despise in fiction and then kill them. Have the common decency to change the name and the details, but then go on your merry way. And if they complain, bring out Anne Lamott, who brilliantly said, you own everything that happened to you. Tell your stories. If people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. Anna Wintour took her lumps. So can they. The practical. No. Dummy. 
If I haven't convinced you of the value of structure yet in this week's digest, then you really need to visit Dave Ogleton's TikTok page. For those of you listening to the audio recording, that is at FitDadCEO. In most of his videos, Ogleton does the exact same thing. The shot framing is the same. It's the same words in the same order over and over again. He opens with, I said to my son, and then he asks a question-based joke. Then he says, my son said, and gives a punny answer. Then he says, I said, no, pause, zoom, dummy, pause. And then it's an even funnier pun. The only thing he varies is the joke. You would think that viewing a bunch of these in order would get repetitive, but no. The structure actually highlights the creativity, and each joke in succession gets even funnier. I swear it's true. Go ahead, watch a bunch of them. The jokes don't get funnier as you go. They just seem funnier because of the structure itself. So if anyone ever tries to tell you that structure squelches creativity, you just tell them, no, dummy. God, I wish I had a good pun to drop in here, but that's just not my thing. Everything L. Crash. I think I might be getting sick. Dear writer, I remember some years back when I finished writing X in The Single Girl, which culminated in about three very intense months of work. I crawled into bed for a week. I kept telling my kid's dad that something was wrong. I think I might be getting sick, I said. I can't move. I'm so tired. Who are you? Then, after I finished Maybe Baby, same thing, a week in bed, certain I'd caught some kind of terrible virus. It's the big one, Elizabeth, that kind of thing. It wasn't until about the fortune quilt time that I saw the pattern and finally figured it out. I wasn't getting sick. It was crash. It happened every time I put a Herculean effort into doing something that required total focus and all my energy plus some in order to get it done. Once it was done, once it was handed in and there was nothing for me to do for a while, I would almost instantly collapse to the floor, unable to do anything for a while. Crash. For the last few weeks, I've been working at my job during the day and then working until bedtime, editing, proofreading, formatting, and recording the various incarnations of How Story Works, which is available now for pre-order on Kindle. The paperback and audio versions are all set to go and being processed. On January 18, all will be ready for you to buy via Amazon or Audible. Last night, I finished the last of the actual work. And then I crawled into bed, looked at Ian, and said, I think I might be getting sick. Here's my theory. When you've got a big thing you've got to get through, a project, a pregnancy, a move, a career transition, you borrow energy from the future to use now, and your body somehow allows that. You run and run and run as long as you need to, and the second you're done, your body shows up at the door with a couple of goons and says it's time to pay up. And you don't have a choice. You will pay. Now, I don't know if this is how it works for everyone, but every time someone comes to me after a huge undertaking and can't understand why they're so exhausted, I explain the crash to them and they nod and go to sleep. And a few hours to a few days later, depending on how much energy they borrowed, they're just fine. It was crash. That said, just because you're not actually sick doesn't mean you can keep going and not pay the piper. Your body is not messing around. It will take a bitch out of the needs and get paid what it's owed. I've noticed that now that I'm more aware of the energy debt that I accumulate, I try to build in little mini crashes to pay back over time, and I find the interest rates are a bit lower. That said, this project totally kicked my ass, but it was worth it. I'm incredibly proud of this work, y'all. 
I think it's really good, and I'm glad I borrowed the energy I needed to see it all through. But right now, I gotta go to bed. I think I might be getting sick. Everything, L. <laughs>